This is a Triple M Footy podcast. With all the latest news and stories that matter right now in footy, it's Tom Brown's News. Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. A huge week in football. Headlined, of course, by Essendon CEO Xavier Campbell. In effect, falling on his sword. Yes, I want to discuss the implications of that for the Bombers. And where to now for Essendon, who have got a number of searches going on, including the review now, of course, of the football department, the external one, the coach search, and now a CEO search as well. But off the top this afternoon, I want to discuss the All-Australian Awards last night. I went into Melbourne Park through that function. I think the only main surprise, really, was Tom Hawkins, in named captain, um, overlooked, obviously, overlooking, obviously, guys like Max Gorn and, of course, Patrick Cripps. But in terms of, uh, I guess, the decision itself, I think it's really good. I mean, Tom isn't a usual captain. He admitted that on stage, saying that he hadn't been captain of any side he'd played in before. But he, he's a natural leader. and He's been enormous for Geelong this year. In fact, I've just come back from Hawkins Farm this morning for a feature on 7 News the next couple of days. Where I spent quite a bit of time with Tom, and he was really pleasantly surprised. Found out Monday he's in the team, and found out even later than that that he was captain. It was a big night at the All-Australian Awards last night. The Saturday Rub, Friday Huddle, Sunday Rub, Midweek Rub, Tom Brown's News and all the footy podcasts you need are in one place. Subscribe to Triple M Footy on the Listener app or wherever you get your podcasts. Where to now for the Bombers? One of the biggest questions in football. It looks like they're in turmoil. It looks like they're in carnage. By the next start of next season, they'll have a new president, new coach, new CEO, probably new captain. You said that Dyson Heppel won't be captain next year. Might not even be there. But the latest is that CEO Xavier Campbell has resigned, fallen on his sword, officially at least yesterday. Commercially, in terms of bringing in sponsorship, a much heralded CEO. In recent times, there's a whole history of football decisions which sort of went against him and counted against him. He basically appointed Ben Rutten and overseen that handover from Warsfold to Rutten, which is now regarded as a bit of a flop, to be honest with you. And obviously, Xavier Campbell supported Rutten as recently as Sunday at the board meeting. He also supported and was a strong supporter of now toppled President Paul Brasher. Xavier also supported the internal rather than external review throughout the course of this year. So in many respects, his cards were marked. A very successful commercial tenure at Essendon, but obviously was undone in the end by some of these football decisions. He also brought on five or so football managers in the best part of nine years. So it was the meddling, I guess, in the football department and the involvement that probably ultimately cost him his position, but Xavier's happy to have a break and uh, work on some of his commercial projects. He's done an MBA or an executive MBA and wants to go and do some other things. Where does that leave Essendon? Well, by the end of this week, they'll need a panel in place for their CEO search. They'll need a panel in place for their coach search. I think the coach probably comes before the CEO. And they also need to organise the firm and finalise the firm, the details, for their external football review. In terms of the latest on the board, four board members, including Simon Madden, have agreed to step off. The crux of that is that they are all Paul Brasher supporters. That's the previous president, not the new president, David Barham supporters. So it's a bit of a coup that for the new president in terms of solidifying his um, board. It's my understanding that over the weekend there was some rear guard action to try and, I guess, topple or unsettle this new board. It didn't work, and they've in fact been able to extend their majority this week. There was some talk that Paul Guerra, who's prominent in the Victorian Chamber of Commerce, was going to look at running for Essendon. There's even been talk that Anne Peacock, who's prominent at Carl's, at Crown, I should say, had been sounded out for a role on the board. But I think all that's calmed down in the last couple of days. And at the moment, the new president, uh, David Burham, has now an overwhelming majority because he can replace those four directors with the new directors. 
they've got a lot of work to do. I don't think that Kevin Sheedy is necessarily safe as a director in the medium to long term because he's obviously been fairly divisive, particularly in regards to the failed recruitment of Clarkson over the last week or so and his radio interview, but keep an eye on that. It doesn't matter for David Barham now because he's got, as I mentioned, a majority on the board. In terms of their coach search, it's, I think, pretty well regarded. They need to sort out what's going on with James Hurd. James Hurd is currently working out whether he wants to throw his hat into the ring and go for the uh, Essendon coaching job. I know some of his supporters at Essendon hope that there will be a formal process now to appoint a coach, which there will be, an exhaustive, proper process, and they hope that James Hurd will throw his hat into the ring as part of that process. And I imagine benchmarks against other coaches his resume will probably stack up pretty well. Incidentally, on the coaching, Ross Lyon, who I imagine would be highly sought after by the Bombers, given his 57 or 58% winning record, was asked on Footy Classified last night directly. If David Barham called him, what would be his response? I'm very wary and I'm very cautious of anything to do with AFL senior coaching. How anyone could mitigate that for me, I don't even know. So I think it's highly unlikely. They've got a relationship, David Barham and Ross, going back to when I think Ross was involved in the media. David had given him some advice back in the old days, but uh, it's not particularly current these days. But it does sound like Ross would potentially be open to that call, but they'd have to do a lot of convincing. Um, in terms of the CEO search, I think the most likely person they'd go to would be Travis Old. Having said that, Travis Old at the AFL wants to become, uh, wants Gill's job, essentially. So there aren't a lot of highly, highly experienced CEOs around. I've heard some names bandied about, like Craig Bozzo at West Coast. I've also heard um, some prominent females name, uh, names quoted. Uh, Sue Clark, who's the Chief Operating Officer at the Bulldogs, is very highly rated, as is Laura Kane, who um, really is the brains behind a lot of the AFLW at AFL House. She's also very, very highly rated, Laura. And I know that some sections of the board at Essendon, as part of this sweeping change, are keen to break up what they see, what they see, has been, has been a bit of a boys' club at Essendon in terms of the insular management. So perhaps that would be a good way to go, going for a female CEO. Anyway, that's what David Barham and uh, Kevin Sheedy and his directors are working through as we speak at the Bombers. This is Tom Brown's News, bringing you the latest in footy every Monday, Thursday and Friday. Here at first on Listener. Just the latest from the Cattery in terms of their assault on the grand final and indeed the premiership. They're certainly favourites at the minute. They had a running session yesterday where Jeremy Cameron was able to do quite a lot of running, I understand. So he's certainly looking positive as far as uh, week one of the finals is concerned. Again, though, it'll be 21 days, a hamstring, right on 21 days from when he did it to when he played. So it's obviously going to be a marginal call from Geelong. The risk there clearly is that if he did it again, he could be cooked Cameron, perhaps the best player in the competition this year, for the remainder of the finals. So it's a big risk or certainly a big decision as far as Geelong's concerned. They'll have a big session tomorrow, a big hit out. The players will have the weekend off and they'll get back down to work next week. But as I mentioned, Cameron seems positive for the first final. Well, you'd have to think based on the number of days it's still marginally touch and go. And still just on Geelong, I mentioned on Monday they requested the 4.30 slot for the first final against Collingwood, which is essentially a twilight game at the MCG. The thinking there clearly was that was Geelong finished on top of the ladder. The AFL honoured that request. It's certainly Geelong's preference to play there. They think it's their best chance of getting as many Geelong fans as possible. They don't want an 80-20, for example, Collingwood-Geelong home crowd, 80% Collingwood, 20% Geelong. They want to get it as close to 50% as possible, 50-50. So, uh, in effect, it's like a bit of a home game for them at the MCG. So, that was the reason that Geelong pushed to play that Saturday twilight spot as part of the first round of the finals. 
bringing you the latest in footy news before you hear it anywhere else. This is Tom Brown's News. Just some news in brief. Dane Zorko has come out and clarified the circumstances surrounding his sledging on last weekend and just explained that, in his view, he was provoked. I mentioned that on Monday's podcast. There had been some questions and so comments directed at Zorko, certainly in a distasteful manner. I'm not going to go into those at this stage in terms of what they were, but one, as I said on Monday, was involving his appearance, I understand. At least someone was getting stuck into him for calling him fat. The other one was in relation to a relationship, and I don't want to go there, but it did involve, I guess, you could say women in his life, and it's, that you know, I guess the uh, suggestion is that um, he was giving as good as he got, but it's not for me to comment on that. He clearly shouldn't have retaliated, but there was some context, certainly, is my understanding, surrounding the Zorko sledging incident in terms of some comments directed at him last weekend. Tim Taranto, meantime, in town. He hit town yesterday, came to Melbourne from the Giants. He's visiting family and perhaps from a career perspective, most importantly, um, seeing Collingwood and Richmond. Now, that's obviously going to be a tough decision. The Giants still have an offer in place for Taranto, but I think it's down certainly to Collingwood and Richmond, and I believe that Richmond lead that race because Collingwood won't have unbelievable amounts of salary space. They're clearly into Bobby Hill. They're clearly into McStay. They're working towards, I think, a plan of trying to retain Dugowie. There's support for that at the club. And, uh, you know, that's got that's got salary implications. And I think Richmond will be in the best position at this stage to offer the best deal to Taranto. But all that's playing out in the next couple of days. In fact, the Giant will make his decision on where he, if and where he wants to go in the next couple of weeks. Just finally, I've just kept... And just finally, I've kept Tasmania brief recently. But the club vote is due soon. There's still no date for that vote. There's still no materials that have gone out to the club, but clubs. But a couple of interesting points in regards to all that that have been put to me in recent days. It's my understanding that Gil McLaughlin is still trying to get more money annually out of the Tasmanian offer and government. The current offer is around $10 million a year um, from Tasmania. Gil, before he puts the deal to clubs, wants to get that figure up. The crux of that is it costs about 45 to $50 million to run a club per season. If the AFL puts in the salary cap, which is about $15 million, Tasmania only put in $10 million, there's fears that uh, you know the club would be $20, $25, 30000000 million short per year. And that's a lot of sponsorship and a lot of revenue and a lot of things like that to make up in terms of that. So the view certainly is that the team would be more successful if the government put in more money, and that's what Gil's working on in the background. That's the reason for the delay in this vote at the moment, is my understanding, before he puts it to the clubs, hopefully at the start of next month. It's interesting... There's also some concern, I understand, from the West Australian clubs, in particular Fremantle and West Coast, about the fact that Tasmania would work better with a 20th licence. And it's their view that the most likely financial spot, the best financial place to put a 20th club, is probably not the Northern Territory. It's probably in Western Australia. That's the most prosperous area to do it. And I think the WA and West Coast are concerned about the small prospect of a third team by their market. So that's a, a factor that they're considering in whether they approve a dedicated Tasmanian team. I think there's a view at the moment that Fremantle and West Coast would support it. But I know from a couple of sources this week that they are concerned that if there was a 20th licence, arguably, there's an argument that should be uh, put in Western Australia. Anyway, it's a long way down the track, but that's one of their concerns this week. But the main issue at the moment is Gil McLaughlin in the background trying to get the money up, the annual money up from Tasmania before he puts it to clubs. We know there's an issue in regards to the stadium the fact that Gil basically said no stadium, no team. But there's also this issue I can reveal on this podcast in regards to the money too. It's obviously been a big, big news day. It's a buy this week. The AFLW kicks off tonight, which is tremendously exciting. With the All-Australian Awards last night. I'll be back tomorrow for all the latest news. Triple M, Rags Football. 
That was Tom Brown's news. Come back every Monday, Thursday and Friday for more and subscribe to Triple M Footy on Listener or wherever you listen to get all our podcasts throughout the season. For Ream Hot Water and McDonald's, Triple M rocks footy.